Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Now let's jump into the father of many nations, Abraham, a walk with Abraham. I want to remind you of the promises that God gave Abraham. Uh, And in fact, you won't need your Bibles. Just stay focused as much as you can right here. In fact, let let me remind you of the promises. When he was in Ur, before he ever started, God spoke to him. Look what he said to him. The Lord has said to Abram, Genesis 12, 1 through 3, Go from this country, your people, your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. Could you imagine husbands doing that to your wife, saying, baby, come on, the Lord spoke to me. We're going to a new land. And she said, where? And I said, I don't know. The Lord will show us. And it says, I'm going to make you a great nation, and I'm going to bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And I will... Say this with me. Bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. All the peoples on the earth will be blessed through you. Big promise. Of course, we know he's going to go west. He's going to arrive in a place called Canaan, the promised land, and as soon as he gets there, the Lord's going to reaffirm the promise. He's going to speak to him again in Genesis 12 and 7. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. To your offspring, I will give this land. Of course, we know the Bible tells us that Abram and Sarah, Sarah cannot have a child. She is barren. So Abram gets to the place, left, doing good. God told him he does. Gets to the place, God reaffirms the promise, you're doing good. You're in the right place. And remember, I preached to you. Famine came. The test of famine. When things get hard. And instead of staying in faith, he got in fear. And he goes to Egypt. Y'all remember Egypt? He goes over to Egypt because they weren't in famine. Remember, he has to start lying. Fear will make you do all kinds of things. He lied about Sarah, his wife. Sarah was good looking. Y'all, Sarah had it going on. He says, remember, he made her lie and say, look, If they ask about you, you're not my wife, you're my sister, because if they find out, they'll kill me for you. I know what it's like to be married to a woman that good looking, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So anyway, we know Pharaoh takes her in, and then plagues come on Pharaoh's house. I'm fast forwarding for you. And Pharaoh's like, Abram, why did you lie to me? And they give him all kinds of cattle and donkeys and servants and and they send him and Lot back on, on its way. And then when he gets back to where he started, the Lord said to Abram in Genesis 13, 14 and 17, he's going to restate the promise. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north, the south, the east, and the west. All the land that you see I'm going to give to you and your offspring forever. Listen. People are calling me, Pastor, what are we going to do about Israel freaking out? What happens if 
Iran gets in. I said, listen to me. Jesus said he's coming back, and when he comes back, he's coming back to Israel. His feet will land on the Mount of Olives. He's going to walk through the eastern gate into Jerusalem and declare that he's the king of kings. You don't have to worry about any of that. God is a shield about that nation. Amen? Watch this. I will make your offspring like the sand. And he says, so that if anyone could count the sand, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and the breadth of the land that I'm going to give to you. Just reaffirming the promise. Has God ever promised you something? And then later somebody else comes along and says kind of the same thing. And you go, oh my gosh, I think the Lord's talking to me. And then you walk, and then you go, no, no. And then somebody else later goes, hey. And you go, oh my word. The Lord is speaking. Something like that. So he's walking the breadth of the land. And while he's doing it, remember Lot separated from him? Lot, Lot's over in Sodom. In chapter 14, five kings come against the king of Sodom. And he has three king alliance. So it was five versus four. So they get overtaken. The five win the battle, plunder the four kingdoms, and take Lot and other hostages. Abram gets word. Abram comes on a rescue mission, SEAL Team 6, 318 men from his own household. And he goes and he rescues Lot and all the plunder that the five kings stole from the four kings. He's coming back with treasure. And as he comes back with Lot and the other hostages and the plunder, the king of Sodom is going to come to meet him. And there's going to be another individual that's going to show up that is going to be introduced to us in the story today. So I want to pick up in the valley where the king of Sodom meets with Abram and this other king shows up to the meeting. He is called the king of Salem. And I want to pick up Genesis chapter 14, verses 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. <clears throat> he was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Watch this. Let's just talk about who is this cat. He's not one of the five kings that overcame the four kings. He's not the king of Sodom who's coming to give Abram thanks for rescuing all the plunder and all of the hostages. He just shows up. I want to introduce you to this man by the name of Melchizedek. Well, let's talk about what does Melchizedek mean? It has a meaning. Melchizedek means king of righteousness. That's interesting, isn't it? And he's bringing bread and wine. We know he's from Salem. Where is Salem? I'm glad you asked. 
Salem was the original name for the city that we now call Jerusalem. Good, let's back this up. Melchizedek, king of righteousness, coming from Salem, we now know is Jerusalem. And he's bringing bread and wine. Do you know any other Bible characters who are famous for bringing bread and wine? His name would be, remember, remember Jesus, Last Supper, this bread, my broken body, this blood, my new covenant, the sign of my new covenant. And so he comes, and this is also interesting. He is a king, but he's also, can you put verse 18 back up? He's got two roles. He's king, and he is also a what? Now, we're, we're before the law. What does that mean? Moses, who's coming later, is going to write the law of God, and he's going to say things like this. The priest function is this, and the king's function is this. A king cannot operate as a priest, and a priest could not operate as a king. And you go, why? Well, the king's function, is, remember Saul? Saul became king. He had a priest. His name is Samuel. Samuel was to hear from God what Israel needed to do, and he would speak the word of the Lord to the king, and the king would execute whatever God said to do. Go to battle, go to, let me, let me see what the prophet says. Let me see what the Lord is saying. And they would operate in that under the authority of God. Everybody tracking? Melchizedek, y'all remember Saul got in trouble. Remember, he was waiting. Samuel told him to wait and will sacrifice to the Lord. I'll be there in seven days. Seven days passes, and as soon as the, the clock ticked, one second passed, he said, I'll go ahead and do the sacrifices. And God said, I'm going to rip the kingdom from him because he stepped out of his lane. He's supposed to be a king. He's not supposed to be the priest or the prophet. Are y'all tracking with me? Here's Melchizedek who's operating both as priest and king. New Testament, when talking of Jesus and Psalms, would say that Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek. Theologians will debate on who he really is. We don't know. We'll figure it out when we get to heaven. My guess is it's probably a Christophany. What is that? That is where Jesus appears in a form in the Old Testament. He shows up to Abram as Melchizedek, he recognizes something in him because he gives a tenth of everything he owns to him. Have you ever heard that? A tenth? A tithe? Now, what's way before the law? You go, no, no, give him a tenth of everything I own. Give to him. This is important. As soon as that conversation is over, you can read it, King of Sodom steps up and says, we're so appreciative, Abram. This is my language, by the way. We're so appreciative of all you've done. Here, just return the hostages and you can keep the rest of the plunder for your deed. And he says, no, King of Sodom. Oh, this is a different Abram. This ain't Egypt, Abram. Tell, tell everybody you're my sister. 
This is man of faith, Abram, who had just had a connection with the Most High. And he says to him, no, 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 I will not receive anything from you so that you could ever say you made me rich. I'm trusting in God. God, everything I've got come from God. This is a different Abram now. Everything has come from God. I've just met King Melchizedek, which was probably a Christophany. I could be wrong. We may get to heaven and go, eh, Pastor, you was wrong. Give a tenth. And now he said, we'll reward you. And he goes, no, 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 no. See, I've already received my reward. In fact, now you go to chapter 15. That's just happened. Now we go to 15, uh, uh, yes, chapter 15, and watch this. What's the first two words? Oh, that's important after this. That just happened, and then after this, it's almost like, you did good, Abram. You, you passed the test. You passed the prosperity test. After this, then the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your you don't have to worry about repercussions, Abram. I'm the shield about you now. And he says, and your very great. Oh, he's going to get something worth more than gold or silver. He's going to get the great I am, which means whatever his needs are in the future, God will show up and say, I am. No, no. So you, you track it. But Abram said, watch this. I love Abram. He's like us. He's gotten promise after promise. He's got the sand promise. He got the land promise. He got the air promise. He just got, he just met a Christophany and said, give him a tenth of everything. Just, just got offered probably millions and turned it down. And God said, because you did that, I'll be your reward. And, and, he, and he still goes, but Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me? Since I remain childless, and the one will inherit my estate is E of Damascus. And Abram said, you've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. And then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, Abram, but a son who is your own flesh and blood, will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky, read it with me, and count, count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Sand. Stars. Sand, stars. I, I wish life was all stars. Don't you wish all of life was, everything's going my way. Praise God. God is good. But how many you know we have to also walk through season that's sand? Where you walk in and go, how are you doing? I'm not doing good. But God yet put a picture no matter what he was walking through. Some of you need to hear today because it's for you. No matter what he was walking through, whether he looked down or he was looking up, he would be reminded that God's promises are yes and amen. And they will be fulfilled. Maybe not on our time, but they will happen. It's good. 
God is sovereign, a sovereign God. He can move and shape and make anything happen. So no matter what you're walking through, by the way, this is free. The Abraham promise of whoever blesses you will be blessed and whoever curses you will be cursed is not just to Abram, but it's to his descendants all the way down that even Peter would reaffirm the Abraham covenant. That means whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever curses you will be cursed. That's why you don't have to get people back. No, some of you need to hear what I'm saying because you... You're like, hold my purse, pastor. No, no, no. You, you don't have to get them back. Because if they curse you, God says, I'll curse them. Are y'all checking with me? Bless. Watch this. Verse 6. Congregation, listen to me. Verse 6 is the most important verse. Abram believed the Lord. I believe you. I believe you, Lord. And God credited to him. That's right. He didn't do anything. He just believed. He just believed him. He believed the Lord. I believe you, Lord. You said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I believe. Righteous man. Watch this. So, I love Abram. He also said to him, one more thing, Lord. I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know? that I will gain possession of it. It almost seems like Abram's in a little bit of doubt. He, he believes, but then there's all that, but what if? My opinion, this is just my opinion, some of you scholars, because we have some scholars in the room, y'all may go research it. I think it's probably why he brought Lot with him in the first place. I'm going to have a child. Hey, Lot, you're my nephew. Your daddy's died. I'm like a daddy to you. Why don't you come? Just, Oh, I know none of us have ever done this. I'll have a backup plan in case God doesn't come through. And maybe that's why God blessed Lot as well, so they would have to separate to take away Abram's backup plan, where now he has no other plan unless God comes through. Yeah. Necessary ending. That was his lovey lot. He owned a lot in case Sarah doesn't come through. Are you tracking with me? How can I know? How can I know? How can I know? I, I don't have the title yet. You know what the Bible says about faith? It is the evidence of things hoped for. In other words, it's having the title in your hand before you actually have it. I got the title. I just haven't seen it yet, and I'm believing God for it. I, it it's this. What would happen? I, William, I'm not sure. I think he's probably with children today. But uh, if, if I said to William, William, hey, I want to give you my golf clubs. Really, Dad? Yeah, they're yours. Thank you, Dad. That's awesome. 
Does he have the golf clubs yet? No, they're still up in my closet. Until I actually deliver them. But has, does he already own them? He owns them because I said I was going to give to him. Because his faith is in me that I'm going to do exactly what I said I was going to do. Of course, I'm not going to deliver to him. Because if I give them to him, he's going to have to come get them himself. Because I'm not doing that. <laughs> That's what it means to believe. I, before I ever got it. Because my daddy said it was going to happen, I believe it. Even though I haven't actually received it yet. I, are y'all here? You're not hearing me. No, no. He said it. So I, I believe him. It, he wasn't doing anything but believing. And so he's, he's going to say, but, but Lord, there's still one thing. How, how can I know? I so appreciate God. Listen to God. God's not going, Adam, I've, I mean, Abram, I've already told you. I'm not telling you again. How many of you have children? And they ask you, Mama, can we, yeah, baby, I don't know, what to, what to, I've already told you that. Mama, when we leave, I've already told you. Mama, is it time? Yet? You just want to go. Hmm. That's Abram. So watch what he does. This is, are y'all still with me? Watch this. So Abram, so the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer. Okay, for you not country people like myself. That is a female cow who has not yet had a baby calf yet. Just want to get that clear. Bring me a heifer, a goat, a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these to him, cut them in two, and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. And then the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. So let me, let me just, so just so you'll know, it's not like, like if there was a cow right here, like four legs, it's not cutting it this way, it's cutting it this way. So that the two halves drop on the floor. So he cut it in half. This was not abnormal. This was how you entered into a covenant in antiquity, in the old days, in days of the Bible. This is how you would do it. They would cut a deal. You ever cut a deal? They're cutting a deal. And as the sun was setting, so it was interesting to me is it must have taken a while because he cuts them and then the birds are coming. Birds don't come immediately. I don't know if you are like me. I, mean, I, sh I killed a pig the other day, a big old hog. I'm expecting some kudos right now. Yeah. I shot a, shot a pig. Yeah. So I shot, it was at night. I was, I was at night. And I shot him because I have a, a light night thing. And I shot him and he ran into the woods. And well, the woods into where we ran is kind of swampy and it has water in it about this deep. And I heard him, I could hear him splashing. And they don't hear splashing anymore. I go, okay, he, he did. And then I thought, am I going to go into the swamp in the middle of the night to get a pig? 
oh, uh-uh, no. Because the only thing that's worse than a pig is a snake. And I am scared of snakes. I ain't going, I'm going home. So I left him. And Heidi goes, did you get him? I go, I, I got him. I know I got him. I went over there. I saw a little blood. But did you kill him? I said, I don't know if I killed him or not. I mean, I heard him splash. And then I didn't hear the splash anymore. I think he's dead. She goes, well, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to wait till the water goes down. And I'm going to look for the birds. Sure enough, about three days, four days later, I got him. So that's, that's, that's Abram. He's, come on, Lord. When are you coming? You told me to cut. Now birds are coming. Now he's getting tired. The sun goes down and he goes to sleep. Look what happens. Then Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick, dreadful darkness came over him. And then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years, God speaking, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated there. Do y'all know what he's talking about, right? Egypt. But I will punish the nation. They serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation of your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. And when the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared, and passed between the pieces. They go, what's, what's happening? Let, let me tell you how, in old days, how they entered into a contract or a covenant. If you were going into business with someone, you would take an animal, like a heifer, cut it in half, it would fall down, and you would walk in a figure eight in between and out of the carcass. And while you walked in and out of the carcass, so would the one you were entering into the covenant with, and you would state the covenant. We, we pledge to do business together, to split all the profits 50-50. And if one of us would cheat the other or break this covenant, so be it to us as this carcass that lays here. A covenant. Adam, Abram's asleep, and then all of a sudden, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appears and starts passing through. Where's Abram? He's over there, walking in and out, torch and smoking pot, passing through. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said to your descendants, I give this land from the wadi of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And makes I don't know, some of you theologians in the room. He's just describing what it looked like. It looked like a 
what'd you see, Abram? Oh, it looked like a, so like a smoking pot. Smoke, that's where we get smoking pot, right there. No, no, that's not where we I, I don't know. Maybe that's where we got it. I don't know. And a torch. Did, did you know what? In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, where John the Revelator has a vision of Jesus and the description of Jesus. And when it gets down to his feet, it said it looked like brass on fire. Is it possible, again, Jesus showing up? I will give this land to Abram's descendants. I am making a covenant. I am giving a contract to him. Here's what's interesting about this covenant. Abraham doesn't enter into the covenant. God makes a covenant with himself. Because he's the only one that can keep this covenant. Because Abram can't keep it. Abram's going to get in fear sometimes. Abram's going to fail sometimes. Abram's not always going to measure up to the mark sometimes. He's not always going to be in faith. He's going to walk. He's he going to get mad sometimes and angry at his wife, Sarah. He's going to be harsh to his servant sometimes. He's not going to be perfect sometimes. He can't enter into this covenant with God. God has to enter into the covenant with himself because he's the only one worthy. Therefore, the covenant is not dependent upon Abram, whether he's good or he's bad, stars or sand. That means the covenant is dependent upon the one, the only one who can do it, the only one who can make such a promise. It's dependent upon God. Yeah, yeah. Are y'all checking with me? So the covenant was God made with Abram is based on who God is and not based on who Abram is or what Abram would do. The covenant could not fail because God cannot fail. God alone signed the covenant with Abram. They didn't haggle over the terms. God established and Abram accepted. Abram could not break a contract that he did not sign. Can I fast forward it for you? The Father's going to enter into another covenant with us. Except this time, he's not going to cut a calf in two. That won't be the sacrifice. The sacrifice will be his son. And he's going to enter into this covenant with us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That if you would, if you'd give money to the church. No, no, no. If you would serve, go to next steps. No, no. If you would believe, you would not perish but have everlasting life. Is this covenant based on your goodness or your badness? No, the covenant is based on the only one who can keep the covenant. And the only one who can do that is God himself. He made a covenant with himself. Stay with me. I'm not there yet. Stay with me. What makes Christianity different than the root? The Judaism, Islam, 
Because all of them go back to Abraham. All of them would say, that's our father. What makes us different? Judaism and Islam, both of them. You don't know until you take the final exam. Am I going to heaven? Am I going to paradise? Am I going to life hereafter? Is there life after this life? I don't know. We'll know at the final exam. So it's not faith-based. It's merit-based. That you're working all of your life trying to earn so when you get to the final exam that God, they believe God will put you in the measurement the balance, and if you were gooder than you were badder, then we'd let you in. Here's the, here's the bad part. Many Christians still think like that. I gotta be good. If I'm gooder than I'm badder, everything is gonna be all right with God. It's merit-based. It's, it's, it's like going to college. We think we go to college. You, know, they don't, you don't go to college and they give you a degree. I wish they did that. I'd have probably got several degrees. No, you, you go there, and then you got to go to class, and then you got to work on your projects, and then they get to the, the end of the semester, they say, get ready for finals. And you go, oh. Because if you pass finals, then they'll pass you to the next grade, next grade. And then at the end, they'll say, they have this class. Please stand. They have done all the requirements. Would you please do your tassel? Come up here. And then they give you the diploma. And you go, yes. I made it. Then they accept you. Judaism. They believe in Jesus. They believe in Jesus. They just believe he died and he didn't raise from the dead. Islam believes in Jesus. They just don't think he ever died. Christianity, we believe he was here. He died, but he didn't just die. He rose again from the dead. He rose and he is alive forevermore. Yes, he's alive. No, you can do better. He's alive. He's real. He was there. I don't know. No, you need evidence, right? Because I think that's cool. Evidence. I, I like evidence. You need evidence. I think, I think there's plenty of evidence that Jesus is alive. I, I'm looking at evidence right now. I, I wish you could stand up here and look and see what I see. I see evidence that this Jesus is alive. We know that he was here, right? We know that. We, 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 we know that. We knew. I think the greatest evidence is, is the two men that were his greatest detractors. One was Saul, who Jesus confronted after his resurrection, and he became blind, and he would turn into Paul. He was killing Christians while he was Saul, and then he met Jesus, and now he's the biggest promoter of Christianity that the world has ever known. One of the greatest leaders in church history ever wrote two-thirds of the New Testament under the power of the Holy Spirit and would die a martyr. Paul, that's evidence. 
James, the brother of Jesus, never believed in Jesus while he was alive, that he was the Messiah. How many of you, if your brother told you he was the Messiah, you'd have a hard time believing it? It wasn't until after the resurrection that Jesus is going to show up at James's house and knock on his door until James answered and he goes, ta-da! That's exactly how it happened. I, trust me, it's in the Bible. No, well, maybe not. Not that ta-da part. And then he would become the apostle of Jerusalem. You need evidence. Yeah, but let me just scientific evidence. No, 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 listen to me. If you, need, if you need scientific evidence that Christopher Columbus, you don't believe in him. You, you can't believe in it. Well, I believe in him because, I mean, there's things written about him. Julius Caesar. Well, he... You could wipe out half of history. Oh, there's been more evidence. More evidence. He shows up to 400 people at one time. And then I see the evidence sitting in this room. And he's alive. A religion based on merit means you start this journey and then you find out at the end whether you're accepted or not. Thirty-five, thirty-six years ago, I first saw Heidi. I was like, did it hurt? She's like, what? I said, when you fell from heaven. You know, it's like a vision. Uh, I, I knew that when I was getting serious in my own mind, she didn't know this. When I'm getting serious, I go, Lord, is this, is this the one? Is she, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I want to make her my wife. I'm like, so I knew I was in that, like, just forever. Is this my wife? So I bought her a cookbook. And I, I, she opened it. I said, she goes, what's this? I said, just, just turn to page 39. Said, look at 39. She looked, chicken fried steak. I said, yeah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to study that. Uh, those ingredients, memorize it. I want you to memorize those ingredients. In fact, I want you to cook it. Try it on your friends first. If it's good, let me know. She goes, okay. And then I said, now turn to page 72. Right there, spaghetti. Yeah, right there. I want you to study that. And if you can get this, I'll make you my wife. Okay, this is a joke. I really didn't do this. <laughs> Some of you are like, oh. Yeah, that's a great idea. <laughs> no, no, that's not what happened. What really happened was I went to her parents and I said, I want to marry Heidi. I'm asking for your blessing. And her mama goes, she can't cook. <laughs> and I said, I don't care. Her dad's like, she's terrible with money. She cannot balance a checkbook. And I said, I don't care. 
And they, they said, I'm not sure she's going to keep, keep a very tidy home. And I said, I don't care. But she's never been really that. I mean, I'm not sure what kind of mother she's going to be. And I said, I don't care. I like her just like she is. I accept her and want her to be my wife just like she is. I accept her now. And then you've watched through the journey her develop, grow, serve, love, mother. And the whole time you're going, babe, you're amazing. Religion accepts you at the end, but Jesus accepts you as you are, right where you're at. If you're a Christian today, we need to be reminded of the grace of God. If not, we'll get on that other road of merit-based that I have to do good works. I don't have to do good works. I don't have to. I love because I am accepted. I want to serve because I am accepted. Not to be accepted. I am. Not to be. Now, it's a good place to say amen if you're a Christian here. That's what Abraham was doing. Don't you see what happened? He's going, Whoo, blessed are you, Abram. Melchizedek, here, here's 10% of everything I've got. He just started doing because he was accepted from the beginning. Are you tracking with me? Oh, listen to me. I know. I know what the devil does to you. He tries it with me too. Man, I messed up. Sand. I'm accepted. Praise God, I did good. Stars. Thank you, God, it's all you. Oh, Lord, I had a rough day today. Sand. Thank you that you accepted me, even when in my weakness and my flaws. Help me, Father. Stars. Thank you, God, it was all you. I get angry. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Sand. Lift your head back up again. If we're sitting here and you've understood that incredible grace believer, don't start slipping away over into the works based again, the merit. You've already been accepted. Heaven's already your home. The final exam has already been taken. Jesus took the final exam for you. You. B. What did Abram do? He believed. Believe. Christians, you need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. But if you're here today, and you've never entered into this relationship, which I'm not talking about going to church. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to McDonald's doesn't make you a hamburger. Our Savior's church doesn't make you a Christian. Do you believe Jesus? 
that he came, he died for forgiveness of our sin, and he rose again so we could be alive. Because he didn't really come to make dead people, I mean, bad people good. He came to make dead people alive, to be spiritually alive. That's why Jesus said, you can't see the kingdom or enter the kingdom until you've been born again. What we're saying is, until you invite this Jesus in your life, then you'll start seeing spiritual things, hearing spiritual things, seeing it, entering into it, once you believe. So congregation, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and I mean it this time, because you don't always do it, right? If you're here today, and you've never begun this relationship with Jesus. It's called being born again. He is here today, and he wants to begin it with you. He will accept you right where you're at. Oh, he's not finished with you. He'll just start right where you are. And if you're here today and you don't know him, you can know him. It's called being born again. All you have to do is, one, is admit you're a sinner. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, every one of us. B, believe that Jesus came to die for our sins, to be the sacrifice so that we could enter into this covenant, not by doing, but by believing. And then C, confess him as the Lord. And if that's you today and you're ready, Today's your day. He orchestrated this day that you would be here and this message would be preached. That you would hear it. Accept it. Believe it. If you're ready to believe, I want to pray for you right now. Would you slip your hand up all over the room? I'm ready. Today's my day to be born again. Hold it up high. Don't be ashamed. He's not ashamed of you. He accepts you. Hold it up high. Hold it up high. Say, I understand now. I understand now. I understand now. It's not about going to church. It's about believing in him and trusting in him. Congregation, can we just add our voice to theirs? Say, dear Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. And I need your forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sin. I'm trusting in you. I'm believing in you thank you for forgiving me I repent now come into my heart and be the Lord of my life I believe in Jesus name amen can we give God all the praise it's not about doing about believing. Y'all receive this word today? Our prayer team is going to come up front. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let me pray this blessing over your life. If you need prayer, our prayer team is always here to minister to you every single Sunday. We love you. And let me pray this blessing over you. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you. And you're going out until you're coming in again. May all that you set your hands to, seeking first the kingdom of God, may he bless it and may he prosper it. And I bless you 
in the name of the Father, His Son, Jesus, and the all-abiding Holy Spirit. And you just say, I receive that. We love you. You're awesome. Go be a great example of the Lord. Believe. Believe.